Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. tuning in to another episode of 15 to life it's a podcast where we talk about life after having life in prison so this episode is going to be all about support and when i say support i mean support both for the inmates that are still incarcerated and support once those inmates are released back into society and how it affects both and you'd be surprised how it's not always a negative or a positive if you have it or you don't. So let's jump into it real quick. So first off, I want to talk about for the incarcerated individuals, inmates that are still inside. So support is a major thing and and it and there are benefits well beyond what, what the obvious are, which is obviously when you're <clears throat> in prison or jail for that matter, you, you need things, right? You want to buy some hygiene. You want to buy toothpaste, deodorant. You know, these kind of things aren't always just given to you by the state or the federal government or anything else, right? I mean, these are things that they have canteens set up. There's packages you can get. Um, for the most part, I know in California now, it's you have to order all your stuff. So before, you know, when I first got incarcerated, people could still put together a 30-pound box once a quarter, and mail it into you and so there was kind of a personal touch back in the day right now it's you know you go online and you order it's just like buying something on amazon and having it shipped to you um and if you don't like it the difference is uh from amazon prime uh you're not returning it you're just stuck with it right or if they don't have something you might come up short and you just gotta suck it up so needless to say support is big because in county jail you're not making any money so whatever money you came in with, that's what you got. And once that's spent, you're done. So if you don't have people to support you, and that could be friends, it could be family, it could be loved ones, whatever it may be, you're just, you're out. You don't have anything, right? Once you get to prison, you can get a job that pays money. But the reality is there's tons of jobs in prison or school that you don't get paid a dime. And the reality is, is when you do have a job that pays money, it might be a dime. Most jobs are, are somewhere around 10 to 30 cents an hour. And when you do the math, you could work full time, which they aren't always full time. And then at the end of the month, you can go to commissary canteen, right? You put your, uh, your, your ticket in saying, I want to spend my $48 that I made this month. And you're buying things like a top ramen soup, one top ramen soup. And that's going to cost you anywhere, depending on where you're at. If you're in prison, it's probably somewhere around, and I haven't checked lately, sorry, if it, you know, someone let me know what I'm misquoting it on, but, you know, it's probably somewhere around 30 to 50 cents a top ramen, if not more, and in county jail, man, you're 90 to $1.20 each soup, so you can imagine how quickly you spend money, and especially if you don't have money sent in, then it's even harder. Now, on top of all that, in prison, more than likely you have some form of restitution. And, and restitution, uh, I'm going to throw in a little uh, side note on this. I was a victim of a crime um, before I went to prison. And uh, somebody stole my, 
my radio, my car, my car radio, and they were cut. And I'll never forget, they told me, you know, um, this guy's going to have restitution and your radio was worth $210. You're going to get that $210 back. Needless to say, all these years later, I've never seen a penny off of that. So that guy probably went to jail, probably paid that restitution. I never received it. So I am a little worried about all these other people that have restitution. And, and we're talking tens of thousands. I even I had a celly in San Quinn that had five point, I think, one million dollars in restitution. He was like, I could live 10 lives and never pay that back. Right. But where does that money go? And are any of his victims even getting anything? So, you know, conspiracy alert anyway. So back to the program right now. Support is is great in the sense that an inmate can can get some things that they wouldn't get otherwise, right? But more importantly, a lot of times this stuff is used to to get things even like some a sweatshirt or some shoes or whatever these individuals need, you know, just to do their daily stuff so that they're not wearing the the standard state blues all the time and the state boots. Um, but a bigger part of this is. To even use the canteen, so you, you can use canteen to an extent, but if you're working, going to school, you're programming, you can spend more money. So if you have a green card, that's just a regular ID card. A red card is a privilege card, which means you can get your package and all this other stuff. But if you're getting write-ups, disciplinary actions, you could lose all of that, right? Or have restrictions put on it. So one thing about having these little privileges, you know, you have to not be getting in trouble. Two, if you have support, odds are you're a little bit more inclined, and I'll say a lot more inclined, to not get in trouble because those people probably come to visit you or probably want to hear from you and things of that nature. You can lose your phone calls for getting into trouble and all kinds of stuff. So support actually supports that inmate in more ways than just financially or getting a visit and getting to go out and eat some microwavable food you know support helps a lot of ways not to mention you know a lot of guys that are incarcerated there is definitely a mental health issue Um, if you didn't have one before you probably got one while you're in there and listen to the podcast i did on ptsd goes a little bit into that but we definitely have issues and, and trust issues and everything else, right? But that support helps us stay a little bit grounded to know that there's something better on the other side, right? So support really helps in that way. So I've gone over a bunch of stuff that's positive about support. I'm going to get into some negative now, and some people might not like me talking about it, but this this is, you know, real talk. So there are plenty of guys that are incarcerated that... Have a significant other, a girlfriend, wife, whatever it may be, right? And those people will keep them on cloud nine. They're, they're phone junkies. They want to get on the phone all the time or they have access to a cell phone. Whatever it may be that they're doing to keep that communication and keep that relationship going, right? But on the flip side, let, let that significant other say something or insinuate something to that individual that will set them off. And and I hate to say it, you know, ladies out there, you know, I I apologize if I'm if I'm pulling the sheets on you, but you know, y'all will fabricate some stuff to get this individual mad because you're mad at them for whatever reason, but not realizing 
what you may do to that individual because when they get off the phone with you or when they get back to the yard from that visit, they are in a horrible mental state and ready to just go off on anyone, whether it may be a prison guard or another inmate, someone who they already were kind of not liking. Next thing you know, they get in a fight because they're taking out the aggressions that you put in their head on somebody else. And I've seen it happen multiple times. Matter of fact, I got a a podcast I'll be doing later on where it even something happened between myself and another inmate, um, all behind uh, a a woman, you know, not, not that I was doing anything with a woman, but it's what the woman put in this individual's ear. So, um, it's, it's just crazy, but they'll sit there and say, you know, I support this person, you know, I'm, I've had their back and everything else. But then they'll play a a head game and they think it's funny because guess what? They're free. They ain't worried about it. And the way they see it is that individual is going to stay with them because who else they got? And, And it's sad. And I'm telling you, even out here in the free world, people do that because they know that someone really loves them and all of their focus and attention goes on them. And so they'll, they'll say things that are trigger words or trigger, um, topics that'll set someone off and to me it's just really sad you know and and you got people that listen and don't listen and give negative feedback and this is why we have so many crazy things happening in society today you just don't hear about the crazy things that happen in prison that are systemic to these same head mental games right so now we've kind of talked about how support can be good and bad at times right But that's all while the individuals are still incarcerated. Now I'm going to jump to getting out. Now, one thing I want to remind you guys, and I don't know about other states. I I can only speak about California. That's where I did my time. So when you get out of prison, you have a, a trust, a fund, right? You have a trust fund where your money's in. So when you parole, the the state gives you $200 and then whatever was on your trust. So if you had 10 bucks on your trust, you're going to get $210. So myself when I paroled in 2009 I think I had 24 or 27 bucks it was 20 something dollars uh, not even 30 so I paroled with 220 something dollars uh, I, I have to look I got the paperwork somewhere but that's what I left prison with Northern California the Bay Area do the math back in 2009 one crappy time of time of year to get out right the recession just hit hard it was bad so what could i have done without any support with 220 dollars what maybe found a crappy hotel for two or three nights maybe and that's i'm not talking buying any clothes i'm not talking any food i'm not talking being able to go and pay to get my license nothing that 200 dollars uh, uh, and I'll tell you right now, barely got me a cell phone. And that was a, a Metro PCS phone, you know, same kind of phones I was hustling in prison. <laughs> I mean, that that is a, a recipe for failure and is a reason why you see so much recidivism. And it's not people that are just career criminals and that's all they know. It's people that have... No other choice and sometimes do things to go back on purpose. I encourage you, if you've never seen Shawshank Redemption, go watch it. 
those things were so true. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're set in, in a certain time period and everything else. But the actions and and the things that happen when people parole after doing long-term incarceration, those are so true. Um, and, and we're talking support here, people. I am very fortunate. My parents to this day, 50 plus years, are still together, came to visit me religiously the entire 12 years I was incarcerated. I'm talking there was very few weeks I went without a visit. Um, just It just didn't happen. And I was blessed to have that. And it was also a, a, a bit of a negative thing sometimes too because I would be stressed out if there was a reason why I couldn't get out to visit any like fog line. California, we get fog. And if there's so much fog that they say they can't see past a certain extent, like a mile, then they will call fog line as a escape risk and everyone's locked down. Well, your people wouldn't know this, you know, so they come up and next thing you know, it's a fog line, no visiting, or you have to wait and see if the fog lifts. And by the time the fog lifts, it's usually about time to end visiting and they'll, they'll literally have driven hours, waited hours for nothing. <clears throat> Nowadays, I will say, because I've been in to visit people since I've been out, there's new processes in place. So they've kind of modernized it where they get your information and you can be on an email list and they'll email you and let you know if there's a lockdown, if there's a reason why you can't go into the prison that you regularly go to. So I think that's kind of cool. At least people can get some kind of a heads up. But when I was doing my time, they didn't have any of that. So it was, it was pretty bad. Um, but so once again, back to support. Now, imagine if I had got out with my little 220 bucks what would I have done? Like, you don't get out of prison after doing 12 years and get a job that same day. It's not like the parole officer pulls up and says, hey, I got some extra money for you. Or what do you need? You need a car? I got you. They don't do any of that. So without support, you're really stuck. And the only real people that get something, like something set up, are lifers because when they parole they have to have plans and if they don't have a place to go a place to stay like these halfway houses that usually get funded by the state and make a ton of money off putting people up in bunk beds basically prison outside of prison um they'll have a a place for you to go and they feed you and everything and then if you get a job they usually take a percentage of your paycheck to to help pay the bills um it's a big business and i think most people know the prison system is a business. They're, they're not a nonprofit or a state-run organization in that respect. Now, support. So all these people that don't have support, like, what do they do? You know, they end up being homeless, and then they get in trouble with their parole officer, and they get some passes because, I hate to say it, it's a business. They don't want you to just violate because you're homeless. They want you to do something that is a crime, and now it gets chalked up as, here's, you know, Tito, did all this time, we knew he was going to screw up again, but I wasn't afforded opportunities. It's not like they come in the prison a month or two before you get out and give you resources and, and let you start getting everything lined up. You can try, and you'll have some parole officers that will help. I will say that not all parole officers are bad. Matter of fact, I had all good parole officers, but I also had support systems, so they didn't have to worry about me. So I, I, I didn't go through what a lot of other guys do when they're actually asking for resources and getting told no. 
Um, but support is critical on both sides of, of that fence. And it's critical not only to the inmate, not only to the inmate's family or, or loved ones if they have them, but also to John Q. Public. These individuals did a crime. They got sentenced, whether they took a plea bargain or they went to trial. They did their time. By law, and, and, and I don't always like saying this, but it's the truth. If someone gets a piece of time, when they get out, you shouldn't say anything about them judgmental because they were already judged. Now they're out. They deserve to have the same opportunities everyone else has. Don't get me wrong. I'll be the first to say myself, me, I don't deserve it. I need to earn it every day. And that's what I try to do. But the reality is, is the way the system set up, it's supposed to be you get to start over again in some regards, right? Um, and what is the perfect answer? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, John Q. Public, if we don't do something to help these individuals, they will offend again. And it might not be in the way you think. It might be something minor. But the reality is, I and many other people, I'll be interviewing some of them on this podcast, have been very successful. And it's because we either have some support, we definitely have a drive. And a lot of inmates, especially long-term inmates coming out of long-term incarceration, I should say, long, long-term incarcerated individuals, come out with a different mindset because we don't want to go back. We just don't. And at the same time, we're also the mindset, like if something crazy were to happen to a family member and we had to do something, we'd risk going back to protect our family. Um, not in the sense of a bad way, but in a, you know, self-protective way. But the reality is all we try and do is do, do right by the people that did right by us. And many of my best best closest friends or ex-cons that I was in prison with and we're all family people that's that's if you see us you just be like wow that's that he's a great dad he's a great husband you know all of this and if you didn't know we were incarcerated you would never know I mean it's just the truth so support's key people and we don't just need support for people that are incarcerated or the people who are dealing with someone who's incarcerated we need support from everyone out there in the communities because without the opportunities to work, go to school, get things that we need like licenses and everything else, housing, it makes it really rough. And I'm not just here preaching to everyone who will listen. I, when I got to a point in my life where I could, and, and had some resources, I opened a transitional house. And that place is still open. I love my buddy. He's running it while I'm out here in Texas, making sure that the guys and, and women have an opportunity to have a roof over their head and, and get back on their feet. But that was my passion, was giving these individuals something better than these state-ran and federally-ran and, and, and for-profit-ran transitional places that only cared about their bottom line not about the individuals that really needed that help so that they could get back on their feet and I love that I, I was at a point in my life where I could do that and, and I want to do it in a bigger way and hopefully this podcast might 
put me out with some people that that are like-minded and we can do it together because this is our our country our states our world and we as human beings are all brothers and sisters and all part of the same family and we need to start acting like it so sorry to ramble on a little bit but i just want to really talk about that support and why it's so important and and why some people appear to fail but they were never even given the opportunity to be successful so i implore you guys talk with your local governments talk with your local law enforcement if you're a criminal justice major this is your opportunity to hear an insider's view and by all means please like comment share i want to know what your questions are I can put panels together and we can answer these as a team. But for those of you who have people that are inside, know how important that letter is. Pictures are great. It, it, it shows us what's going on out there because for us, the world has stopped spinning when we're inside. And to see people grow up, and, and I'll be posting some pictures soon of a bunch of visiting pictures. Literally, my nephews growing up while I was incarcerated. I, I was just looking at some pictures. It's just crazy. And my sister didn't come up every week like my parents did, but she would make sure she came up a couple, two, three, four times a year so I could see my nephews and, you know, they could see me. And um, I just, the most important things in the world, right? So anyway, thanks for tuning in. This is Tito, 15 to Life. Catch you on the next one. If there's anything you want to hear about, whatever it is, it could be, what kind of fights, riots, um, education, what do people do in there? Is it really like this? Is it really like that? Drop a question, comment down there. I'll be sure to get it out there. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.